It's Philosophy Talk. There are three fundamental things that divide people and churches. Homosexuality, homosexuality, and homosexuality. Is homophobia mere prejudice or a justified aversion? What does it take to have full dignity? What is human rights for us? Why do we panic over issues of human sexuality? Sin, disease, and moral wrong. We're dealing with very basic socialization, what people are taught. Our guest is Gilbert Hurt, editor of Moral Panic, Sex Panics, The Fight for Sexual Rights. The moment you allow people the option to have long-term relationships and commitment and love, you're going to get very different behavior. Sing if you're glad to be gay. Sing if you're happy that way. Where does homophobia come from? It's about basic things people learn. Gay pride and prejudice, coming up on Philosophy Talk. This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the Mars Theater in Berkeley, California, the Bay Area's breeding ground for new performance. Our thinking originates at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Welcome, everyone, to Philosophy Talk. Our topic today... Gay pride and prejudice. Our society, taken as a whole, can't seem to make up its mind about gays and lesbians. Many studies have documented increasing tolerance of homosexuality, especially among younger, more educated, more affluent, and more liberal Americans. But on the other hand, a substantial number of Americans still don't think that gays should be allowed to marry, serve in the military, adopt, or even teach children. The extent of how divided we are about gays and gay rights is evident in our politics. Well, right, John, because while there's a substantial grassroots activism in favor of gay rights, surprisingly few national politicians, even politicians who are progressive on other issues, are willing to actually stand up and lead the charge in favor of gay rights. I can't think of a single national politician who's really taken on gay rights as a cause celeb. Well, there was San Francisco's own uh, Gavin Newsom, our former mayor, Remember how he officiated at all those gay weddings? That, that was quite moving. Yeah, quite moving, quite admirable. I don't know that it showed a lot of courage, because we're talking about San Francisco after all. Well, yeah, that's true. And, you know, there is definitely no shortage of politicians willing to demagogue against the so-called homosexual agenda and demonize gays and their so-called lifestyle as if there were one gay lifestyle. Gay rights is clearly a hot-button issue, which raises the question. What are a couple of philosophers like us doing discussing gay pride and prejudice? Where's the philosophical issue there? Well, John, our job is to ferret out hidden assumptions, to make them explicit and open, and to subject them to intense critical scrutiny. That's our job, and that's what we need to do here. But the assumptions aren't very hidden. People who are anti-gay think that homosexuality is unnatural, morally abhorrent, a perversion, and deeply at odds with true religious beliefs. Well, you're right, and they, they believe more than that. They also seem to believe that gayness is not just a private perversion, but is somehow communicable 
I think that's part of why they're so opposed to gays in the military or gays adopting or being teachers of young children. That's as if gays were in those places, gayness would spread in ways that otherwise wouldn't. People, on the other hand, tend to think pretty openly, they don't hide their assumptions, that sexual orientation is just one more morally neutral dimension along which people differ. People differ in race and in gender. They vary in sexual orientation, too. Differences in race and gender don't mark morally important distinctions. Pretty much everyone agrees with that. And lots of people say differences in sexual orientation fairly obviously don't either. But John, here's the question. We've got two deeply opposing views. Who's right, John? But more importantly, more philosophically, how do we go about deciding who's right? Here? Well, you could ask me, Ken. And <laughs> well, what I I'm not asking you for your personal opinion. Not, not at all. I I'm asking about what sort of rational basis either of these two conflicting views about gayness could possibly have. I mean, how do we go about deciding, rationally deciding, whether homosexuality is, as people on the right seem to think, a morally abhorrent perversion, or more progressive people think, just a morally neutral variation in human sexual orientation? How do we decide that issue? Well, I've got an idea. Let's ask someone who's thought long and hard about the way our attitudes towards gayness have been shaped and the role that such attitudes have played in shaping our public discourse and our social practices. Well, that would be our guest, renowned anthropologist Gilbert Hurt, editor of Moral Panics, Sex Panics, Fear and the Fight Over Sexual Rights. He'll join us in a little bit. We'll also want our proud and unprejudiced audience here at the Marsh to join the conversation. But first, our roving philosophical reporter, Caitlin Ash talks to someone caught up in the moral panic over the military's don't ask, don't tell policy, she files this report. Should gays and lesbians be allowed to serve openly in the military? The question sets both liberals and conservatives on fire, with conservative commentators like Ann Coulter and Bill O'Reilly on one side. The combat units, the Marines and the Army, don't want gays in the military. Mm -hmm. Why can't they have it that way and we can have an all-gay division? I've always said a don't ask, don't tell works because you don't want disruption in the barracks. And then there are celebrities like Lady Gaga and Kathy Griffin on the other side. The most powerful thing we can do is quite simply write a two or three page simple email telling your representatives that you won't vote for them again unless they vote for the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Ultimately, the law is being enforced using gay profiling. And right in the middle of this debate are people like John Ferret, district commander for the San Francisco Post of the American Legion. He served in the military for 12 years, working his way up to captain. He's also gay. When I enlisted in the Army, I signed and I checked off, I'm not gay, I'm not homosexual, I'm not interested in men, and blah, blah, blah. Fred enlisted in the military in 1987, well before President Clinton signed Don't Ask, Don't Tell into law in the 90s. The law was sort of a compromise. It supposedly protected gays and lesbians from discrimination as long as they remained in the closet. If anyone found out, gays would be discharged. Since the law passed in 1993, more than 14,000 service members have been dismissed for being gay. Before Don't Ask, Don't Tell, Ferret says homosexuality wasn't much of an issue beyond the usual macho anti-gay jokes. Immediately, there was a lot of discussion. Oh, so they're going to let the fags serve now. Oh, so they're going to be allowed to run around and do whatever they want. There was this big homophobic misunderstanding that there weren't any serving before, but now suddenly they're all going to run in the military. So there were folks that had made it their mission to go out and find out who was gay and get him out. What followed was a witch hunt. According to Ferret, 
servicemen drove around at night looking for Department of Defense bumper stickers on cars parked outside gay bars. There are stories of outed gay servicemen attacked and beaten. There were the wet blanket parties where that blanket was thrown over them and they were beaten with sticks or clubs uh, where they were physically assaulted. While he didn't experience the violence directly, Ferret says he lived in fear that someone would find out he was gay. He even got married to the sister of a former gay lover. I ended up in a fortuitous opportunity where I could marry a lady who needed some help from me and I needed what I thought, and it was my own mind, what I thought was a cover, and so it actually worked out. He got a family, his wife got a green card, and no one suspected a thing. Then one day, Captain Ferret was asked to fire a serviceman who was spotted leaving a gay bar. And I, I called him in to talk about it. I really just wanted him to tell me it's a lie and I would handle that person. And he finally just said, you know what, screw it, I'm gay. If you want to throw me out, throw me out. I can't, I can't take it anymore. I'm sick of hiding. He says he saved the man's career by transferring him. But after that, Fret could no longer pretend. The easiest way for me was to say, before they come after me, I'll just... Uh, Go. What I did, I just transferred into the inactive reserve, and then I remained there until 99 when I resigned my commission. While he never got the respectable retirement he wanted, Ferret doesn't regret serving in the military, and he doesn't regret resigning. I love my country, and so does everyone else who's willing to serve under discriminatory policy, who's willing to put their life on the line and not even get the benefit of all the things that they're entitled to for that service. Ferret's confident things will eventually work out for gays in the military. After all, his father served back in the 1950s when blacks were integrated into the army. Everyone thought the sky would fall, Ferret says, but it didn't. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Caitlin Ash. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.